once you get the clap one time, that's all you need. Yep. You learn your lesson. Now and then no I more can, clap. I can click my, to my heart's content after that. <laughs> well, rise and shine, everybody. You are listening to the Drunken UX Podcast, and we are kicking off Season 2 over here on, well, I don't know, in my office. I was going to say, you know, out here in, in <laughs> podcast land. Uh, whatever. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Feenan, and with me on the other microphone is your friend and mine, the late, great Aaron Hill. I'm not, I'm not, well, I am always late. <laughs> Hello! We need, we need to sample the, the air horn sound. Uh, <laughs> right at the beginning. Why do you why do you hate me so much? We worked so I hear, hard. I hear that a lot. To get so far into this show and and become popular, and you just want to drive everybody away. Oh my lord! Maybe like Vuvuzela. Vuvu, I don't know. What? <laughs> Venezuela. No, 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 Vuvuzela. That was the the thing when at the Olympics the one year everyone had one. You like whip it around in the air, and it sounds like droning bees. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but I'm wearing pants. I can't do that right now. <laughs> it's a whole Look other it up. show. Look it Vuvuzela. I'm not going to do that. Uh, folks, <laughs> if you want to follow along with us all the places, be sure to check us out on Facebook or Twitter. We are at slash drunken UX on Instagram at slash drunken UX podcast. Or you can hop into Slack with us and have a chat anytime. Give us some thoughts, suggest a show topic or whatever the case may be. Go to drunkenux.com slash slack. You can track us down any of the ways that you feel like. Indeed. Uh, it's Drunken UX podcast time. That means only one other thing. I bought a bottle. Of, so, okay, you have to backpedal here. The Tangeray is like my favorite gin. It's like a family family choice thing. And I always usually get just the regular, you know, regular the mill Tangeray green bottle stuff. But I, I picked up a bottle of the Tangeray number ten, um, just to try it out. And I gotta say, it is it does taste different. I I was expecting it to be like a, like oh, it seems like it tastes different because I paid more for it. But it, it actually does taste a bit cleaner and crisper. Uh, so I've got that in it with some tonic. It's it, green and red, like seasonal. I I feel like I, that is the sort of gin I should probably try because I don't like yeah. gin, but I don't like gin. And so I have no real desire to yeah. hunt out like a better gin. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, I like it. I I mean, I like the the juniper flavor. Like, can throw throws people off sometimes. Uh, and I suppose maybe that's like an acquired taste, like learning to like coffee or something. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, where where you are in your life the first time you experience it, <laughs> a determining factor. I I will say though, like if you drink it by itself. It's, I mean, you can, but if you balance it with a good, like, bit of tonic, like, the two of them the cancel the bitterness out of each other. So, anyways, I know you are drinking something special, and we should tell everyone what it is. Yes, I ended the season special. I'm starting the season special. Every year, a buddy and I, we go in together, and we go buy, like, a really expensive bottle of scotch to enjoy amongst ourselves. Um, and so I'm breaking it out to start the show. Um, 
we picked up a bottle of the Glenmorangie Signet, which is basically Glenmorangie's top-line bottling. Um, it is a gorgeous Highland single malt. The or the bottle is beautiful. The box is beautiful. The cork on this thing, you pull the cork out of the bottle and here it's like we'll, five pounds, right? We'll 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 start it this way. We'll we'll do a Hannah Hart here. Just go boo boop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, Thump. the stopper Thump. on it is like cast steel Thump. or something. It's cork, wow. but the top of it is solid metal and it, it it's hefty. Um uh, but it is a beautiful rich it's a very sweet highland malt um it's got a very chocolatey sort of almost coffee kind of finish to it <laughs> um oddly enough i tried it with some water not as good with water water actually <laughs> i think makes it a little worse um which i didn't expect and is huh usually a little water helps open up your scotch helps you know light give you access to some of the lighter flavors and stuff that are in it but okay. with this it just didn't it just made it taste al more alcoholic <laughs> How do they get the their richness? Is it like aged in like pork barrels or something? Or so with Glenmorangie, they they have a whole line. Like their normal bottling is a ten year bottling. It's very good. It's mm -hmm. it's very mellow. It's a nice accessible um, Highland Scotch. They've got a mm -hmm. series of uh, three more: the Quintaruban, um, the La Santa, and mm -hmm. the Nectar Dior, which are all aged in different types of casks. So um, okay, the uh, the Quinta Raban, I believe, is uh, done in uh, port casks. I always okay. get Quinta Raban and La Santa are port and sherry, and I can never remember which one is which off the top of my head. Um, okay. But imparting different, you know, like that deep red wine, that sweet wine flavor. Uh, Nectar Dior is aged in um, Saturn. Is that South Saturn? It's a wine word that I don't, it's, I think it's French. I don't. I don't speak okay. French, um, but it's a it's a beautiful <laughs> light. Um, whereas, like the the La Santa is a very strong, rich in your face kind of flavor. The Nectar Dior is this beautiful, delicate, sweet flavor. Um, and so they use these different approaches. The Signet is like they're they're top top in, and it's a blend from two different um, two different whiskeys okay. they do, um, and they use two different types of barley. And I I don't. At this point, I'm getting I'm I'm reading for anybody at home. I don't know this off the top of my head. It's it's made from a single estate Cadbull variety and a malted chocolate barley, uh, huh. and I don't know what a Cadbull estate barley is. Um, all I know is that when you put the two together, it makes fucking incredible scotch. Um, <laughs> Excellent. This the 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 only thing that makes me sad about it is it is the kind of thing you enjoy a glass of. And then you put the bottle up for a while because right, it's right. not they, I split the cost of this bottle, so uh, <laughs> but I thought it was a beautiful way to kick off the the, sh the show for the season, and I'll probably switch to something throughout uh, the, the end of it, but that's where I'm at, because only the best nice. for our listeners, although I'm going to drink <laughs> it on your behalf and <laughs> smile the whole time. <laughs> that's a nice looking color right there. Mm. It's beautiful. I don't think it's artificially colored. Um, yeah, no, that's like gorgeous. That's like a nice light brown. There are some um like Dalmore, and I love Dalmore, don't get me wrong. Um, but like Dalmore actually darkens their scotch. They they color it. Um hmm. so and they and I think like Dalmore is one of them too, depending on where they're bottled and whatnot. They don't have to disclose that they color it. 
That seems like why? Why would you? I don't know. It seems silly to because do. a beautiful dark scotch just looks really nice, you know. So, but that seems like the like if you're gonna have that color, that like you should earn it, you know, like or I I don't know. It just seems welcome whatever. to marketing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see here. Well, I want to talk about some stuff uh, because we are kicking things off. And I think what better way to get back into the future than to start looking at the future. Um, and if you run run by the show notes, <laughs> we'll have a link there to a video that's on a page. Or maybe we'll just put the video there. How about we just do that? We'll just embed the video in the show notes. Yeah. We, we can do we that. We build websites. Right? We know how to do that. Uh Yeah. Well, they're 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 embedding it. It's like a YouTube video, right? right? Yeah, it's just a YouTube video. Yeah, so. so we'll totally just do the same thing. We'll save you Take a click. That. You're welcome. Take uh, that Nielsen Norman Group. Yeah, it's uh, so Nielsen Norman Group. Jacob Nielsen put out a video. It's just a little two minute video, so it, it's a quick watch. It's nothing like super crazy or in depth. And he's answering the question: Will people be more tech savvy in ten years? Uh, and I thought it was just, it's just a neat little question, and it, you know he goes into it very lightly, and the summary of it is basically no, they won't be. Um, and I agreed, but I thought like you know the the rationale was interesting on it, and I thought that you know we could explain a little bit as to why that is because it plays into you know UI, it plays into user experience design, it plays into human computer interaction, um, you know right. all of the stuff that we're doing and building relies on understanding how people react to it, right? I I disagree with him somewhat, but I want to hear your thoughts on this first. So my argument comes back to this idea of uh, the Model T. And I I, I tell the story, and actually I've, I've even got it worked in a little bit later in the show, um, this idea mm. that if cars never advanced, if all we mm. did was drive Model Ts and all we had, then everybody would be a mechanic because the mm-hmm. understanding of that car would become a piece of our own culture that you know is handed down and there would be no secrets about it there would be no myth you know behind how the model t works that was that was kind of what happened with the the volkswagen right like with the the beetle and the bus and the rabbit and everything yeah those were built to be accessible and repairable by normal people so yeah, but the the thing about it is that's not what happened, right? Cars mm-hmm. advanced; they became more complicated. We discovered things like automatic transmissions and air conditioning and radios. <laughs> um, the technology advanced, but the drivers mm-hmm. really haven't. Right, you know, driving a vehicle still amounts to the same process. Now, if you've ever driven a Model T, you know driving a Model T is nothing like driving a modern car. But yeah, it didn't take long for us. You know, about 1927, 28 in there, we finally kind of fell into this uh, modality of, like, gas, or, uh, you know, uh, brake, clutch, gas. Um, right. Right, no, clutch, brake, gas, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Sorry. <laughs> <I> uh, mean... <laughs> even I don't know anymore. <sighs> and, and that has carried through, though, all the way up to today, and... You know, people can drive cars and we understand them, but we don't understand what's going on underneath them. And there are still... Or we, don't, we don't need to. We don't need to. We don't... Um, right. But there are also still incredibly bad drivers out there, too. Like, you would think that after a century of driving cars, humans would be really good at it, but we aren't. 
Well, I, but I mean, that's sort of, you, you don't have to know how the car works to know how to operate it. Right. In a basic way. Yeah. And that's what, but that's what we see. And, I, and maybe that's what he's saying. Yeah. That's, too, that is sort of yeah. what they're getting at, which is people can use websites We're we can use a computer mostly, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are more capable than they used to be in, in that area, certainly, but the, the underlying technology has advanced more quickly then our ability to use it as a general populace is kind of the point there. I suppose. Um, All right. We can't, t- in 10 years, the person that is using the website in 10 years mm-hmm. is the same person that's using it today. And yeah. their understanding and ability is not going to change dramatically in that time span. Um you know their their knowledge, their uh, mem- muscle memory, and things like that will be relatively mm-hmm. the same, all the way down. You know, think about other technologies, maybe not cars. Let's say VCRs, from VCRs to DVD players, uh, we continued the same basic experience design in them, from the remotes to play buttons, rewind. You know, we we still have this concept of the rewind button. Well, DVDs don't mm-hmm. rewind, but <laughs> we had this stick to that <laughs> method and and that tune because that's what people knew and and understood um <laughs> so there you go that's user experience in action you're laughing but you know uh, i'm right no i'm i'm laughing at the <laughs> i i knew someone <laughs> okay i knew someone whose mom got a dvd player and after having a vcr for a very long time and the first time she rented a DVD from the local video rental place, she asked if you had to rewind the DVD. My friend told her yes. So she did. That's just mean. <laughs> I know. That's why I laughed. We broke Aaron, so oh. that's at least uh, that we got that All right, going. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a counterpoint yeah, to so that. So you disagree. I, I do. I do agree with most of the things you just said, and, and I think that um, like the operator versus mechanic aspect is definitely a thing. Um, however, okay, so 20 years ago, I was in college, and we had a 100-level class called PCs and Their Uses, which the first lesson in that was how to turn it on. So that was a 100-level college-level class about how to turn on a computer. And then 10 years ago, we have YouTube. Like YouTube started existing, right? 2008, right? YouTube, 2006, I believe. Okay. Well, roughly 2000. Yeah. Uh, So like 10 years ago, we have YouTube. And then now, uh, like school curricula, like my my son's middle school curriculum, they have a regular class that teaches the kids how to do code through the San Francisco coding program, which we mentioned in the previous episode or two episodes ago. And, um, and I, I think that learning some of the mechanics to just extend that analogy is becoming a little more widespread. And I think that, um, we can make some more assumptions about our user base. Although I guess it also depends on what Jacob Nielsen, like what users, what demographics he's referring to. Um, because... In in I, 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 he was talking, you know, in a very broad general sense. Okay. Um, well, in ten years, kids who are eight years old right now are going to be adults. They'll be eighteen. They'll be going into college, and I I I guarantee that. Well, I can't guarantee, but I have a very strong 
uh, suspicion that those kids in 10 years from now will have far more tech savviness than they do, you know, now or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I mean, because, well, I mean, partly because the, the ability to transfer knowledge is so much faster and easier and more accessible. You have Khan Academy, you have YouTube, you have all these different online e-learning courses that middle scores and high scores can go and access on their own for free. And so like the ability to learn stuff about tech and about what is going on under the, under the hood, so to speak, is going to be a lot more, a lot easier. I, I think though, like what he's arguing is not so much that, you know, the world in 10 years won't have some radical differences. Cause I, I agree. I mm -hmm. think, you know, everything you say is, is right. That kids are learning things at different times, you know, at, in different ways than what you and I certainly did and whatnot. Um, but yeah. that world is not going to be radically different. And the way in which that is accomplished will won't not be, it? won't be, um, because won't it 10 years from now? I mean, like 10, 10 years from now, think about it. We have, we already have the capability to do VR using Oculus Rift and uh, uh, the Vive, right? Yeah. And the other, and the other one. Uh, I, I um, have PSVR now. I got it for Christmas. Nice. I gave. I'm sorry. I gave it to my wife for Christmas. I happen to have used it a lot. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, like, so, like, those. These are already like consumer level like electronics. In ten years, I, I imagine it will be like what smartphones are now, where it's just sort of something that. Or like what flat screen TVs are. It just becomes more ubiquitous. And so the way we interface with computers might be completely different. Um, I, I don't know that... I guess, I guess maybe I'm circling back to what your conclusion you had was that maybe the tech savviness is irrelevant. Like, do we need to design things any differently? Right. Here's, the I think, maybe the perfect analogy because it's one that goes back, I don't know, what, 50 years? Mm -hmm. The keyboard. Hmm. We've had the ability to not have keyboards for a decade and a half. Mm -hmm. Laser project something onto a flat surface. Um, yeah. Voice to voice interaction, voice to text. Um, there are, or if nothing else, better keyboard designs. And yet, mm -hmm. by and large, the keyboard has never changed. We're still, we're still using QWERTY. Yeah, I mean, everything, <laughs> you know, mine is a little curved with a cutout in the middle and they got rid of the cord, but it's still keyboard. Um, right. and I think that's, you know, there's this grounded nature and in terms of learning and things like that. And I, I had a fun with a, a talk on this several years back about, you know, the way people learn, um, and mm -hmm. how it applied to online, um, education at universities. And the thing is technology doesn't change the way people learn. It mm -hmm. changes how they can learn and sure. what they can learn, but the way in which we learn as a species doesn't flex with that um and there is oh, certainly a top that. like yes we can get access to all of the stuff on youtube and wikipedia and all of these and khan academy and all these places right but there is an upper limit to how much you can consume and process and retain uh right that has right. no bearing on technology at all and i think that's where this idea of in the end our tech savviness does have an upper threshold a little bit because we can't go out and completely revolutionize things in 10 years because the people I, you, you have to cycle out generations for that to actually happen. Yeah. I think that we, we definitely saw a huge acceleration in tech savviness between 1998 and 2008, for example, um, you know, computer literacy in general 
became a lot more prevalent because the internet became more prevalent and because there was more of a reason for people to want to learn how to use and and I think the same thing in the last ten years too. And think about how part of that happened too. Like think about early iOS design and the way mm-hmm. it was influenced by skeuomorphism. Right. And you know, yeah. Part of the way it succeeded was by making its UI translate what we knew in the analog. You know, honestly, like flipping this on its head, I I think that if we, as developers and designers are really like doing our job and pushing the envelope on this, I think that users should become less tech savvy in 10 years (laughs) because they're, (laughs) well, they, they should have in the same way that we going back to the Volkswagen analogy in the sixties, you know, people, there was a reason to learn how to like, you know, uh, fix your own carburetor or like like take care of minor issues with your you know oil changing and small spark plug changes and all that other stuff but you don't have to do that anymore like because the the cars are more resilient and well also more complicated but uh we just don't have to do it yep but when they so fail we know less about mechanics they fail spectacularly <laughs> oh yeah that well and look at <laughs> tesla you know tesla is a good example of that right that you know, they literally explode by and large, you know, they're super great. They do a ton of stuff. You know, their, their, uh, driver autopilot stuff is incredibly good. Um, but boy, when it fails, it fails (laughs) Uh, that kind of thing. So you let us know what you think. What do you think tech savviness will look like in 10 years? Um, I'd be interested to hear. I I like, I love this sort of future think stuff and, you know, Mm -hmm. predicting what things will be like, uh, because, you know, the more they change, the more they stay the same. And I think we're always surprised sometimes <laughs> in how much Star Trek we have and yet how little of it we have all at the same time. You, know, you mentioned Star Trek. Like, how, um, if you look at the bridge there, how many of those people do you think would know how to, like, fix the, uh, like, fix the holodeck if something went wrong? You know, just pretty much the engineering team, right? Like, everyone else is going to be like, or. Barkley could do it. LaForge, of course. <laughs> uh, Data. Uh, Wes. I think Wes could pull it off. Maybe. Yeah. Fucking Will. <laughs> because reasons. Anyway. Uh, so, today's topic. Kicking off the season. Speaking of looking ahead, to an extent. Yeah. Um, we want to tackle the question, uh, and we are not the first to get here. We won't be the last, uh, but it's a fun conversation nonetheless. Of should you be taking the time to learn jQuery? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think this is, you know, it's it's a take on the you know the X is dead, long live X Ugh. type story, and I yeah, we all hate it. I regularly I regularly see those on Quora dot com, and it's always like is blank dead. The ones I get notified for are usually like is Ruby dead or is Rails dead or worse. Now that Rails is dead, what will and it's like. The fuck it. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, and it's understandable because you know, the tech the technology has a life cycle. Um yeah. the things we use and I'll this will come up again later, but Flash is a good example of something that came up, you know, felt super useful. You know, people thought that this was the way of the web. You know, Flash was gonna be how, you know, the interaction layer took place. Um mm-hmm. and then it didn't. <laughs> But yet, people are still learning and using C and C++. So It has use outside of the web, though. 
that's <laughs> but I, I just mean like as far as technology goes like just because something is old doesn't mean that it's going to become obsolete just because something is new doesn't mean it's going to be around for right yeah so with jquery and here's your little bit of a history lesson especially for folks who maybe aren't as familiar with it um it's jquery came out it's very much you know like what we would use as a css or responsive framework today um you know these javascript libraries they were this way to take and abstract and simplify techniques that we used in javascript to help I'm gonna, this is going to sound fluffy, but to democratize functionality. Um, jQuery was sort of the start of this idea of let's take this mysterious thing called JavaScript and make it easy and make it do a lot of stuff for people. And it was really, I, I think it was one of the first big ones. Now, they may have gotten beaten to the punch by uh, some of them, but uh, they definitely got the gas, so to speak. Uh, yeah. and. So they took and combined all of these things in the one place, um, you know, kind of like the way a library does. Uh, <laughs> so with now, all of a sudden, you could go include one file, and with this one thing, you could do everything from dominant, man, episode number one, <laughs> season two, and I already can't talk. <laughs> dom manipulation you could do ajax you could do animations you could do interactions you could do all of this stuff and you only needed one thing to do it you weren't including a right. different file for everything um it was one deal that you could go get and download that was kept up to date um and that was a full 12 years ago now um wow. not old enough to vote so it's but the, getting there the same the same year as youtube then i wow. think so yeah i i didn't realize they were contemporary that's interesting everything happened in 2006 Clearly, everything. <laughs> Actually, yeah. It. I mean, honestly, yeah. If you, if you were to like draw out sort of the ages of internet development, I think right there mm -hmm. between that 2006 to 2008 period was a, I think, a very big transitional period into mm -hmm. the sort of web we have now. Uh, yeah. And ultimately, jQuery won the war. Uh, it's the one that's here. It's the one we use. Uh, there are tons of them though that were out there. I remembered the name that I was trying to think of earlier, but we're, before the show we were talking about this, Scriptaculous. Yeah. Using prototype. That that was the one I was trying to think of. And I re remember the domain. It was like script scriptacula.us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's still up. Oh, I'm by sure. The way. Yeah, I don't think it's script probably not gone. Um Yeah. Uh, most of them aren't Mutu I can't still can't talk. <laughs> Mutools is also still around. Now, of course, YUI, the Yahoo UI library, is, I think, well, dead, defunct because of Yahoo. But uh, right. YUI was one. XJS was another, which I think it's actually still around, too. Um, and, and I remember it, that one. Yeah, it, it was. It had this very application way of thinking about its yeah. UI framework and interactions um, yeah. that just very much didn't age well. <laughs> it, uh, Yeah. And a lot of these, you know, uh, some of them were uh, kind of competitors. Like I, I throw out there JQ Touch. Uh, JQ Touch was the JavaScript library that was designed to emulate iOS for mobile devices. Right. And then there was jQuery Mobile, right? right. J or J JQ Mobile. Same thing. Yeah. So it started as JQ Touch and okay. was... You know, it needed jQuery, but it was its own thing maintained by somebody entirely different. 
and then that jQuery wasn't... absorbed it and just called it jQuery Mobile. Okay. 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 I remember using jQuery Mobile for a. This is prior to us using Bootstrap, um, for a, a site that we had to have mobile access for. Yeah, I launched. It was, it was pretty good. I launched uh, I Pitt that. State's very first mobile website using jQuery Mobile. Yeah, I think if I remember right, we were the first university in Kansas to have a mobile website. Uh, nice. And I'm pretty proud of that. And it was good. It like it looked <laughs> nice. It worked well. Um, it was what it was for the time. It you know nice. today it would be terrible but you know it followed that <laughs> that same pattern of you know ios at that point because we're talking about 2008 2009 maybe um mm-hmm. the iphone came out in 07 it you know we're still like mm-hmm. super early in this idea of a mobile web and so everybody's answer to mobile development was just make it look like it does on ios right because there was no competition uh, apple there was nobody at that point android wasn't didn't exist you know you had blackberry right are they, are they still around? Blackberry? Yeah, they didn't. They just released that phone that like was awful. Which one? I I, I think it was just a new Blackberry. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just it was bad. Um, that's all I remember. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So at any rate, though, jQuery, you know, they they come through. You've got all these guys, and that's not to say now XJS wasn't great. Um, but Scriptaculous was a relatively good oh, was- library. It was Dojo too. Do- that well, was another one. Dojo's another one. Dojo, I would group in with what we're going to be talking about because Dojo also had a lot of back end stuff. Mm, Dojo, okay. like one of Dojo's big selling things was your ability to take um, Java classes from a server side piece and expose oh. them to JavaScript and be able to use them through oh, Dojo. So it made it kind of a front end slash back end type thing. Did you have to use like struts in the back end or Tomcat or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you had that, huh. that Tomcat or you know any kind of uh, uh, VM type, or not VM, but uh, Java. Java thing. The thing, the word that I'm looking for that isn't coming out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> ja- Java VM, JVM. JVM, yeah, literally Java VM, and I couldn't, I yeah. could not get the acronym JVM. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but God, <laughs> we are having a rough start to this season. Let's go. Uh, but that was the thing. All of these competitors, they were all front-end because that's that's the only way we thought about web development at that point. All of these resources were designed to help you strictly on the front-end. Uh, right. And like I say, Scriptaculous was good and Mutools was good. Um, mm-hmm. And jQuery just had the force of will and the robustness. Um, why did Why did they win? Like, like was it what was the watershed moment for them was it they got adopted by some big players arbitrarily and then it just sort of rolled out from there my i don't have an answer um my speculation to that would be a wordpress mm. wordpress started including right. it as a default uh, part yeah. of their back end and uh, through the registered scripts area and jquery ui remember jquery right. had that real and i'm it may still be out there i'm sure um jQuery UI was an extra package that you could load right. that had all of these just extra elements, you know, stuff you didn't always need, like, you know, calendar pickers and um, other right. animations and tabs. And, and you had like to that. select them from a big, like, checklist. Right. Which things do you want? Yeah. And you could roll your own jQuery that way. It would give yeah. you a customized download with just those bits and pieces that you needed. That was a, I do remember doing that. That was a cool feature yeah. that they had. Um, 
it, yeah. it, it got cumbersome after, you know, like from a maintenance standpoint, because then mm-hmm. the time they updated, you had to redo your stuff. But, um, right. I, you know, those things combined, I think, gave it the desirability and market share that just kept it going, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I ask that mainly because, you know, if we think about, you know, we're talking about the future of jQuery, and I, I think that if we understand how jQuery won, we might also understand how it might eventually be supplanted by something else and, like, what things to look for on that front. Take that deep thinking and get off my show. <laughs> this is not the place for that. You are not drinking enough yet, sir. Uh, oh, I do need to refill. <laughs> you, you know what? What it comes down to is jQuery just had a really great kitchen sink product. I mean, mm-hmm. anything you needed to do with JavaScript, jQuery basically was able to empower, whether through the core library or the UI uh, framework, plus right. the plugin framework, which, you know, that's a whole other part of the... the that was probably part. a big part of it, too, this extensibility. Being able to just drop in, yeah, you had cu- something custom, you could just write a plugin mm-hmm. and drop it in there and tie it straight into your jQuery setup. So, right. Um, and I'm sure I, I didn't use Scriptaculous enough. Um, very, very cursory level is all I ever used it. Um, I'm sure they yeah. probably had something along those lines, but you know, jQuery really marketed that piece of it. Well, Scriptaculous is built off the prototype framework, right? And the pro- the prototype framework was very comparable. I th- I think I think prototype and jQuery were like the last holdouts. I remember seeing those two because uh, prototype was the one I was learning, and then it was like, all right, I guess I'll learn jQuery. Ugh. <laughs> so today jQuery is basically used by 74% of websites. Wow. So, oh, and the and the in the the show notes we have a link to an article with a graph on this, but um it's a power law distribution. So like jQuery like 74%, but then like the next one is like a a fraction of that. Yeah, so and that's a lot. Like when you think about what is on all websites, there aren't a lot of things out there, you know, like when we talk about WordPress, WordPress is the CMS that drives the internet. They still only have 30% market share. Uh, and yet yeah. here we are with jQuery out there dominating 74% of websites because it's just there, right? Everything just includes it at this point. Actually, at on one of the show note links, it says that um, as of 2017, um, jQuery is 83% uh, library distribution. jQuery UI is on 22%, Modernizer on 16%, Bootstrap on 13%, and then everything else is 11% or it's 11, then 8%, and then 4%, and, and then onwards down. Yeah, a lot of these numbers Mo- you take with a grain. Mood Tools has 1.8% still. <laughs> <laughs> All of these things, you know, they're they're scraping websites, looking through archives, things like that, mm-hmm. and, and trying to identify, you know, stuff in the code. So there's going to be, depending on which measurement uh, tool you look at or whatever, you'll get different notes. Yeah. Um, but the, the, gen, the broad stroke is pretty much the same, though, which is that yeah. jQuery is everywhere. So... I mean, we're going to spoil the episode for you here real fast that should you learn jQuery, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to put some context to that here in a little bit, but um, to act like we shouldn't know how to use a library that's used on three quarters of all websites, that's just a stupid thing to say. Well, okay. So, like, when we say should you learn jQuery, it doesn't mean, like, should you learn jQuery to the point where you're writing your own extensions right. and where you're, like, doing really deep down stuff like you can learn everything you need to know about jquery in about a week easily so yeah. 
yes, you should spend a week learning jQuery so that you're at least literate in it and can do basic stuff in it. Yeah, that's that is a good point. That yeah, we aren't yeah. we aren't saying yeah, go out and be the the guy, the go to expert, in right? It, but <laughs> functional, you need to be functional like, in it. We're we're not saying to build your career on learning jQuery, but like you should. If you don't know jQuery, like expect you're going to have to learn it at some point. So it's maybe it's not should you learn jQuery. It's like, are you going to have to learn jQuery at some point? And the answer will definitely be yes. Now, <laughs> the funny thing is in these tools and their breakdown, they also are able to pick out which versions of jQuery are in use. Because mm. usually every jQuery file has a, a version number included in a comment um, or in the file name. And they right. found that only 6.4% of websites had jQuery 3 and up on them which was right real interesting because it kind of it shows this uh you know this picture of what happens in a system like WordPress let's say where mm-hmm. the site's update and you know when a minor release comes out your CMS updates and you're just there you know things like jQuery don't do that um you have right. to manually go out there and make sure you're updating your libraries uh, and People don't do that, basically, is what that's telling you. And I, I don't know what when you add in uh, jQuery 2 to that, I don't know how high up that, that number goes, but it's not much. I mean, the the uh, the largest share of all jQuery versions as of 2017 is 1.12. So we're up to th- version 3. One, version 1.12 has 21.37% share as of 2017. It's like looking back and seeing IE. Two major versions. Yeah, for real, or IE6, but, right? You know, the the thing, and <laughs> the reason why, and to revisit this question of why did jQuery win the war, mm-hmm. this is kind of why, too. You can still run a website on these old versions, still have that code out there, and it works perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very functional, very uh, resilient framework in that way. Uh, which is a credit to it and part of what makes it so useful it's one of those if it ain't broke don't fix it you know if if your sites aren't going down because the latest version of chrome came out um you know if if you're not throwing errors everywhere in your console then most people don't even think about keeping up with something like that And, and really you know it's um there's not a whole lot of i don't want to say there's not innovation happening but there isn't there isn't a lot of uh, need to add new stuff if you don't if you're not already using it, right? Right. And if the um one of the developers from jQuery has even said that in the newer versions, most of what they do is remove stuff. So they're they're taking things out, not adding new things. And so if you have a version that works for you, and it doesn't cause you any problems, and there isn't a whole lot of security threat potential there because it's all front end. Uh, you know, <laughs> like why would you need to up- upgrade it all? I mean, your your biggest threat ultimately can come in the area of, you know, if you load it over a CDN, for instance. Yeah, and somebody happens to be able to poison the CDN or something like that. That's ultimately right. one of the biggest threats um, to not updating that kind of stuff. It is a very, and I'm not, I don't want anybody to take that as advice to not worry about updating because obviously that's terrible advice. But right. there is a certain resiliency there that it, you can get away with a whole lot more, um, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't create the same kinds of, uh, you know, the threat model is very different. 
uh, right. by not updating in those cases. And most of it, like you just said, is about efficiency. It's about refactoring, things like that. Then, um, And even I, like I, I was sitting here trying to think of what was the last big thing jQuery took out, and I honestly can't tell you. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't, I'm not a change log hound for it, so I'm not like there reading every single thing. Um, I'm I'm willing to bet that that the majority of the reason people, like you know, if people are using 1.12, you had AJAX and you had like basic UI effects, and those haven't changed much. So if that's all you needed it for, especially if all you needed it for is like basic AJAX stuff, jQuery is a nice wrapper for that, and. I mean, it's just, if it's working for you, why change? Well, and you mentioned the power law distribution of just sites using jQuery. Mm-hmm. I bet, you know, if you look, if you could look at that in terms of how they were using it, um, yeah. I think you would see something similar in that most sites are probably using it for a slideshow. <laughs> right. And it turns into a real long tail from there in terms of like right. the number of people who are using jQuery and developing super dynamic complex websites with it and running all of these different, you know, animations and, and things like that. Like that list is pretty short in the grand Or, or they're, in, they're installing it as an afterthought because the thing that they actually wanted, such as the slideshow you mentioned, whatever it may be, just happens to also have jQuery with it. And they didn't bother to think. I'm going to download jQuery. They just thought like, oh, these are the files I need to put in this folder, and then I need to do this line of code, and then the thing just works. Yay! Now, part of the reason why I think this discussion has changed and is I I think we're seeing it more anyway, uh, with whether that's you go to Quora or whatever, you're watching Twitter, these places, this idea that the war itself has changed jQuery mm-hmm. was originally in this war with other front-end frameworks. These were front-end frameworks that were trying to do the same things in most cases. Mm-hmm. They filled the same... We had this discussion before. Niche? 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 Is that the one I should say? <laughs> Nichey. 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 I'm going to say... Nietzsche. I'm, I'm going to take a page from your book. I'm just going to call it Nietzsche. And, Nietzsche. And that's just the way... <laughs> I mean, my own pronunciation... <laughs> Oh, that is now how I too will also yeah, pronounce okay, it. Good. It will now be nice uh, forever. <laughs> now jQuery is facing this pushback from the new frameworks, and these are right. you know call them the Node bunch, whether that's React or Angular or Vue. These uh, these JavaScript frameworks are still JavaScript frameworks, and they mm-hmm. absolutely take the place of a lot of jQuery's functionality, especially when it comes to data handling and DOM manipulation and things like that. But, right. and I'm, I'm saying this with a word of uh, hedging, they are mm-hmm. largely designed to be front-end and back-end components mm-hmm. because they're all built around this idea of much more MVC-focused development. And you, yeah. you see them, the reason, or the places where you've seen these come up a lot is with folks building web apps or single-page apps or things like that, as opposed to... Yeah a website, a blog. Right. And I think that makes a big difference, though it doesn't change the fact that people keep lumping them all together. Yeah. I mean, in those people's defense, though, the the speed at which the JavaScript community moves um, makes move fast, break stuff, even say, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the The thing here is... 
when you look at these frameworks, it's one of those like they aren't exclusive to each other. You could build a React application that absolutely uses jQuery. Like these things are not mutually exclusive, though I think most folks would kind of turn their nose up at that thought. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it doesn't mean you can't do I, it. You just probably shouldn't. I I mean they wouldn't they wouldn't occupy the same namespace, so I guess you could. Yeah. Like everything in jQuery is all under either jQuery or dollar sign namespace, and so I don't know much React, but I know some, and of what I know, I don't think they would collide. And out of, but I don't know. I also don't know why you would do that, though. Yeah, because I think React has all of that functionality right. baked. Like in I say, there, yeah, the yeah. overlap is part of what makes it a little weird. Um, yeah, Vue is probably the closest because you can absolutely use Vue as a front-end only JavaScript library. Again, right. most people don't. Uh, because, again, most people I think that understand and are interested in learning these things are people that are building something with a server-side component. I may be wrong on that. I'm I'm mm-hmm. totally speaking just, you know, out of my sphere of influence and what I've, I've seen and heard. But sure. they definitely, I think, occupy a different resource space. And the the thing that makes me feel weird about it is, even if we say, if we distill this down to view, and... Visit the show notes. We'll have some articles there about, you know, what the differences between Vue and jQuery are, and and those Mm -hmm. will go more into that. But at the end of the day, making the argument that you shouldn't learn jQuery because you should learn Vue instead is sort of bizarre (laughs) to me because you're basically saying, don't learn that library, learn this library. Learn this library. (laughs) Ultimately, you're, yeah, you're just you're trading off. You're not net gaining. Yeah. You're not getting ahead of anything because jQuery itself isn't necessarily broken and it's not. Well, the the only thing you're gaining is a smaller community of support, right? Like jQuery has been around for over a decade. And, and I know that, so I know that folks will say that <laughs> view is simpler and that you can do things quicker in it. And that's entirely true depending on your use case. Mm-hmm. But it's not true in every use case. And I think there is still a higher barrier to entry for those than what you have with jQuery. Because even at the most basic levels, most tutorials and like you're saying, you know, your community support is not necessarily geared towards a front-end only thought process, which is kind of what jQuery does. Right. So let's switch gears i realize i say so a lot when i'm when i'm changing gears i need to fix that uh taking notes here (laughs) all that being said there are legitimate reasons to not use jquery and we need to go over some of those before we talk about why you should learn it Uh, because if you fall into some of these categories you may honestly not you know think about not using it but i want to dispel one of the big myths which is that jquery is too big We've seen this with CSS, we see it with JavaScript, you know, this argument that you need to make your page smaller and make your payload as as tiny as possible, and that's a great goal, but people act like jQuery is, you know, this 300, 400 kilobyte package that takes up a ton of room, and it will if if you're using the uncompressed, you know, full shebang, but the minified version is only 85 kilobytes. (laughs) Yeah, didn't we mention in an episode about uh, actually this is going way back, season one episode like two or three. We're talking about embedded video, 
and then about how uh you know the, the average size of the average website is hundreds of kilobytes i'm sure that jquery has a, a notable impact on that or a notable portion of that but 85 kilobytes is nothing. Yeah. And you, can, you can offset that <laughs> by optimizing one of your images that you maybe didn't catch, you know? Right. I mean, you have you probably have images that are bigger than 85 kilobytes. And if you are serving from, you know, most any server that's using gzip, that size, that 85 kilobyte minified file is only about 28 mm-hmm. kilobytes gzipped. Yeah. So jQuery, if there are reasons to not use jQuery, but arguing that it's a space issue, I don't think is valid yeah unless you are in some situation where you really are trying to run as absolutely lean as humanly possible uh that if that but if if that's a situation though then you should be writing but completely rolling your own javascript right absolutely yeah yeah don't yeah if you're trading that off for view then because here's the thing if you want to use view go for it same size (laughs) yeah Actually, I mean, I think if you are of the presence of mind to realize I need this to be running as lean as possible with a small load time as possible, you probably already know whether or not you should be using jQuery. Right. Yeah. There, the size argument, you know, I get it. I, it's, a, it's, you can make it, but I just, yeah, if, you're, if it's just a trade-off issue or you honestly think that that 85 kilobytes is going to make or break you, then I think you have other questions, I guess, to, to tackle at that point. So one area where it is a perfectly valid reason to think about not using jQuery is if you're doing JavaScript development in a test-driven environment. Uh, right. Because jQuery creates a dependency tree that can influence mm-hmm. you know, the way you approach testing. So, True. for instance, right now, uh, I've sort of been embracing Cypress. Uh, it's very straightforward. Okay. It's very easy. Um, it it does client level integration testing, so you know it's it's literally testing the way things are being put out to the user, um, and that works pretty seamlessly because okay it's working through the browser, and so you're getting uh, uh you know you're you're getting that same level of experience at that point. Is is Cypress similar to like like Selenium or one of those? Uh, yes, the answer is yes. Okay. I have not used Selenium to any degree. Um, and okay. so I don't, I couldn't, but it's that kind of, yeah, thing. yeah. Um, Got you it. write your automated tests and like, it'll go through, you can have it click stuff and it's, it uses, uh, uh, the assertion, the same assertion library, uh, chai, uh, assertions. Okay. So if you use a test framework and you're familiar with chai, it's the same, mm-hmm. you know, expect, you know, such and such expects length three, you know, whatever. I sure. see a menu. I expect to see these links that have, you know, YouTube listed or something, you know. Uh, sure. But that all works really well because there isn't a lot that it has to do on its own. Um, it's interpreting. Right. As opposed to, like, unit-level testing. Right. So in those situations, and I can't for the life of me remember the test suite we were looking at originally, um, but I was trying to make it work with uh, some of the code we wrote, which was jQuery based and I could not for the life of me in our build process get it (laughs) to know that jQuery existed because the jQuery was included client side it wasn't included in the build process so it wasn't executing in the IC and because unit tests generally only look at a very small piece of your code 
and it right. can be very blind to all of the other things out of necessity uh, because you're you know in theory you're trying to make very small pieces that that function um right. but that makes jQuery very difficult in those environments um I think we um on the rail side of things we I use the the capybara gem which does uh it's similar to selenium it, it emulates a user interacting with a browser um and the chrome driver uh library or what should we call it it's just it's a binary you, you grab it from google's thing v8 it's a kind of i mean i don't know what it's using but it's it's using chromium engine and it's um it's great. Like I, we've used a couple over the years. You know, we've used like the WebKit one. That's the default that comes with Capybara. We've used Poltergeist, which uses Phantom JS as the JavaScript interpreter. And then, um, but Chrome Chrome driver is great though, and it has really good JavaScript support, and it handles a lot of the jQuery stuff pretty well. Uh, with every once in a while, you run into an issue with, with funny stuff, but um, but generally though, it does a pretty good job. Yeah. So if you're doing Rails, you should be using Chrome driver. I think actually it's funny because the even the makers of Poltergeist, the Poltergeist library, they they've said like we're no longer supporting this. You should use Chrome driver. It's better. <laughs> Everybody's abandoning ship for Chrome. Uh, so, but yeah, that idea also lends itself to this idea of if you are trying to write really portable code it can be useful to not use jQuery. If you want your code to be very encapsulated and very functional on its own, then avoiding jQuery might be what you want to go after because that's going to give you that ability to write something that anybody can use and not have to worry about, you know, have I installed the other libraries or do I have, you know, jQuery yeah. UI on top of it and things like this. That, right. That can become cumbersome. And it's that same idea mm. of the same reason why, you unit test code is because you want very small, individually functional pieces of, of information. Mm -hmm. This is that same thought process, just without the testing piece. You want right. small, encapsulated, uh, self-dependent code that doesn't have to bring in anything else. Because otherwise, what you end up with is a lot of people all including jQuery over and over and over again. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? That's part of why like <laughs> WordPress uh, added in the script and queuing stuff. Is because if three mm -hmm. different plugins all in queue jQuery, it it knows it only needs to fire at once. Uh, but you know, at, when I worked at Cornell, we had a um, we had like a kind of a Skunkworks um, not a library, but like a bunch of Skunkworks PHP we'd written, and I wrote a like a subscriber pattern thing in PHP that did that that where you would say. This this like uh, class or whatever depends on jQuery or or whatever these components, and then um, and then when the page rendered, it would look at, it would just take the like the unique set of uh, dependencies and then load them, because we kept having issues where like jQuery would load it more than once. Yeah, yeah. yeah and there's a there. I think it was a, just a draft proposal for like the HTTP standard that had mm -hmm. something along those lines where you could define in page what pieces of like a, a broader package you needed. Oh, wow. Uh, but that was quite a while back That'd and it didn't cool. get very far, but uh, it was, it was huh. neat, <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, there's one other reason why not to use it. And it's going to sound silly, but if you're avoiding <laughs> learning native code, <laughs> but that can be a thing. Uh, wait, wait, wait. But to clarify by native code, you mean like 
just plain old JavaScript, yeah. right? Okay. At pod podges. At podges. <laughs> podges. Plain old Pogs? JavaScript. Pogs. Uh, JavaScript spelled with a G. Well, and that's a that's a, a pojo joke for anybody that that, that isn't as funny <laughs> as me. Uh, <laughs> the the thing here is, you know, there are there are a lot of ways. jQuery was designed around this idea of trying to take all of this stuff that worked in different ways and and had to be written multiple times for different browsers mm-hmm. and make it into one thing that you could use and and make that easy. And for a lot of people, that's good enough for whatever it is that they were writing. Um, and if your goal is to do something quickly without care for the nuance, you just want it to work, which is a perfectly yeah. valid thing. Um, you know, if you are, if you're more of a CSS person or designer, right. Just writing, you know, header dot add class and, you know, add class active is a really simple, straightforward thing to do. Uh, and and yeah. you may not be benefited by taking the time to scrounge over, you know, like can I use dot com and figure out, mm-hmm. you know, is all of this stuff supported? Where is it supported? Whatever. Uh, so there's definitely a value to that, and that's nothing to be ashamed <laughs> of if that's you know if that's all you need and that's what gets you, you know, where you need to be. On on the flip side of that, though, um, jQuery is a nice. Um safe haven for those of us that don't want to have to learn vanilla javascript <laughs> there's in the show notes of putting a link to a lightning talk called what w-a-t that has um he starts off talking about ruby but he goes into talking about a bunch of really funny weird oddities in javascript so it's like five minutes long it's totally worth the watch yeah and there's nothing wrong with that i would say you know if your career mm-hmm. is going to be in front-end development like deep front-end development that's not a good excuse. Ooh. Yeah. But if you're you just visiting, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. it's perfectly val- or reasonable to say, you know what? I'm just going to do this the quick way. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it is worth it. Because yeah. for a lot of people, jQuery is just like a comfortable set of training wheels. And if you can jump in and do some real quick prototyping in it, uh, which is true with just about any framework. Most frameworks, if you know it well enough, you can prototype something quickly in. But um, you know, jQuery has a lot of support, a lot of examples out there, and you can get in and it, in a few lines, there's, there is no denying the fact that in a lot of cases, you can do something in fewer lines of code in jQuery mm-hmm. than if you had to write it out yourself. Hey, this is not going to be an accessible analogy to most people, but it, for those of you that are Linux users, it, I kind of find it similar to like using Ubuntu versus using like ArchJS or one of those, or not ArchJS, Arch Linux. Or one of those because I I use Ubuntu because I don't want to have to mess with all that bullshit. I just want it to work. Yeah. I just want to have an OS that works. I don't have to think about it. I just want to do the thing on other stuff and not mess with operating. Yeah, you have to roll your own operating system, right? Our Arch Linux is way more powerful. I I don't dispute that, but you also have to fuck with the operating system bullshit <laughs> that I am not interested in. Tell us how you really. So feel. if you have the <laughs> if you have the time for it, like, you know, you do you, boo. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not there for it. Well, <laughs> and, you know, that goes a long way, too. You can't sometimes just jump into the deep end. And jQuery can be that way of just introducing simple concepts to a user to get them mm-hmm. used to different syntaxes. You know, understand what a callback is and how it works and what it does. Yeah. 
um, what it takes as arguments and things like that. Uh, and you can ease into some of that. Did they have the callbacks and like the the promise thing in jQuery 1.2? I thought that was a relatively recent version number wise. I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's that's one of those things that gets too too detailed for my old brain. Uh, I think the callbacks was version two, and I think promises were in version. And for Maybe. folks that don't know, like a a promise is basically part of a code that is, that tells another part of the code uh, whether or not something happened. Yeah. So that it knows, you know, to expect something. Uh, it for asynchronous. Right. That's the phrase I was trying to dig out of my brain. Uh, is that also a closure? I always get that. Um, no, closure is a library, isn't it? Or no, it's a language. <laughs> No, no, is it like the closure is like oh, the closure is like a like a block of code that you yeah. pass it. Uh, I'm uh, trying to be funny. There's names. It's, uh, I messed up my own joke though. Closure is an actual language. <laughs> it's not a not a library. Oh, Michael. Um, I've been I've been out of college too long. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so the the these things they lead up to something though. So if you're using it to simplify concepts and introduce people, the next natural step is that learning jQuery as kind of a, as a simple JavaScript can be that stepping stone to understanding actual native code solutions to things. Yeah, um, definitely. That's why jQuery existed. That was its whole purpose. Uh, if you can reach back, if you've been around long enough to know uh, what it was like writing individual XML HTTP request code oh. for Internet Explorer and for Chrome and Firefox, and each one handled Jesus. it a little bit differently you had to write it, you know, in a, a very particular way and check for the existence uh -huh. of things. And it was a Ajax was a pain in the ass. It was it was. I, I remember writing XHRs manually and it was a pain yeah. in the ass. JQuery totally. is the reason Ajax succeeded, in my opinion. I don't yeah. think Ajax would have succeeded as a technology if jQuery had not saved it, basically. Because it right. came in and it just said, Oh, you want to do something Ajaxy? Then just use the Ajax method. <laughs> and give us an endpoint and the data and we'll handle all that different stuff. Oh, man. We'll figure out which browser it is, which syntax it needs. That was like that was the watershed moment for when people looked at jQuery and went, Yeah. Oh, we need this. If your if your use case allows you to use the the load method of the, the Ajax portion of jQuery, oh man, that is so nice. Like dollar sign dot load, and then like the URL and the destination, like node where it's going loaded, and oh. Now amazing. it's worth noting that that argument, you know, it's not as necessary as it used to be. jQuery isn't because <laughs> things like that have normalized over the years. This need to have a library that deals with all the browser idiosyncrasies, you know, that piece of it is actually filing away and that's one reason why these conversations come up you still need to learn jquery yeah. it's because the the reason we did it and the need that was there that it was solving for isn't the same need that it was 10 years ago right but that's okay you don't need jquery for it to be helpful so there's a, a link in the show notes for um this comment on the jquery github where someone was asking you know what's the future of this library because you know looking at your commit history and your blog posts and other things 
it's kind of like slowed down to almost like you know the, the pulse is very slow and the um uh the one of the maintainers for jQuery uh pointed out that they just they in, are intentionally doing like less frequent releases because of a lot of things we discussed already you know like having to upgrade and also they're trying to remove things instead of add them um but he did say that they they have roadmaps for probably version 4 quotes um a complete rewrite using next generation javascript this in turn requires an update to our build system because we want to use ES2015, which is uh, ECMA6, right? ECMAScript, yeah. Yeah. Um, we need to do this in a way that keeps the final size identical or smaller than the original. So they they do have, they have, you know, they are actively maintaining it. It's not like this is a, a dead library or anything. Um, well, I think of it like so. PHP. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Everybody, anytime somebody steps up young uh, and is whether it's on Reddit or or uh, Stack Overflow or something, ask should right. what language should I learn or should I learn PHP? And you always have this yeah. group of folks who are really quick to be like, PHP is a terrible language. It's it's a dead language. It's it's not. There's <laughs> there's so much better stuff out there to go learn. Um, well, two out of those three things are two out of those three things are right. I mean, it's a ridiculous way to approach learning in general. Um, But even if PHP was not, like, super active or anything, it still is Mm -hmm. the backbone of the Internet at this point. Oh, yeah. Entirely. And like like you were saying, and we'll we'll, uh, uh, revisit this in a second, but this idea that, um, you know, you don't have to become an expert in it to be have it be worth learning. You can learn it at a functional level. And be fine, and that's I I've seen that with yeah. PHP so many times. Folks saying you're you're wasting your time learning PHP. You know what? People said you were wasting your time learning Java ten years ago, and guess where Java is today? All the same places it always was, uh, because uh-huh. it has anchored itself into the industry. So looking ahead, and why mm-hmm. the answer to the question of should you learn jQuery? Yes, is if we look ahead five to ten years. Let's let's put that, and I'm not going to be picky. Five years, ten years, whatever. Um, 10 years is probably good because it ties us back to the start of the show, but we aren't trying to put a button on it like that. <laughs> I said it early. I'm going to say it again. jQuery isn't Flash. Right. And if you're scared of learning jQuery because you're worried about it failing, not failing, but going away, you know, being outmoded the way Flash was, don't have that concern because it won't. Flash required a lot more. Like, you could not learn flash reasonably well in a week like to be to, to to use flash in an effective way it required so much like on like onboarding with that but jquery you can learn how to use it very functionally and probably at least 50 percent of your use cases in just a few hours flash also at its best was riddled with serious yeah. problems from Bugs to accessibility issues to loading problems across the board. So the other thing, so we know jQuery isn't Flash. And Mm -hmm. if anybody wants to go deeper into that subject, I'm always happy to. Um, You know, I consider them very different technologies, and I think Flash failed for reasons that are unique to it um, that don't don't (laughs) apply to jQuery. That that was a funnier joke than I intended it to be. Go me. <laughs> I just there's just a lot of there's a lot 
a lot to unpack. There's a lot, a, a lot bundled into that statement. <laughs> the other side of this is what the backbone is, that we're talking about is JavaScript, right? All of right. this, at the end of the day, it all comes back to just JavaScript. jQuery is right. just JavaScript. It's just JavaScript that has been written in a smart way, basically. Uh, but sure. what has happened is JavaScript is based on the ECMAScript standard, which has improved every year. And, and people hear this thrown around, um, and it's confusing, and it, it doesn't always make sense. Uh, as Aaron had just mentioned, if jQuery 4 moves ahead, they want to base it on ES, what's called ES6. It used to be that JavaScript got very rare updates as a language, as, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, as a subject matter. So what we had throughout all of the 2000s, basically, was the same JavaScript that we always had. In 2009, there was a huge update to JavaScript, and that was mm-hmm. uh, when we started this idea of... Oh, no, I'm sorry. 2009 was the last, like relatively normal update to javascript one it was in uh, 2015 hence the name es 2015 that right they came out with this huge update to javascript included oh that was that was es6 right es 2015 es6 were same same thing just different for whatever because it was easier right um right it their they version ecmascript is a versioned language like anything else and we'd been on uh, ES5 up to that point. Mm-hmm. When And keep in mind, ES5 was what was available when jQuery came out. Right. So in 2015, by that point, jQuery's been out forever. And now ECMAScript comes out and says, oh, and by the way, here is a dump truck of new stuff you can start using now. Right. The problem had always been that even though javascript supported it that didn't mean browsers supported it right and that's where you know if you are getting into build processes and things like this and you're hearing phrases like uh, you know babel babel that's another one it's a long a or short a i don't know uh the the babel module you know when when you are doing a build process and you are writing when somebody says they are writing their javascript in es 2015 um and they're using Babel to transpile it. What they're basically saying is they're writing in modern JavaScript and using this library to take that and it knows how to rewrite oh. all of those pieces using okay. more JavaScript to reproduce the functionality in different ways so that it would will be right. backwards compatible. All of this to say JavaScript itself is getting better every year. There's an ECMAScript update every year in June. Uh, they now mm-hmm. it's an annual. It didn't used to be an annual release cycle until 2015. With that, jQuery's role definitely changes because it means JavaScript is capable of improving upon itself in a way that it couldn't when jQuery came about. Right. That said, it's still slow, and while ES 2015 has pretty good support across the board on a browser standpoint, ES 2018 doesn't. Uh, yeah. And there will always be some of that to deal with. And I'll be interested to see, you know, what jQuery does to kind of pivot. And it sounds like that's exactly what they want to do. They want to remain relevant and they want to, you know, figure out a way to fix these things and still provide value with, with jQuery 4. Um, 
that would right. be that'd be an interesting topic to maybe get a dev for <laughs> and have a chat <laughs> about. But at the end of the day, with with jQuery um, and JavaScript, we'll have, there's going to be a few articles in the show notes for a lot of you if you want to start writing jQuery list JavaScript you can easily reproduce a lot of its functionality now using native code. Uh, right. And that can be more efficient in some cases. You can use just the pieces you need. Even if you want to use the same style selectors, there are ways to write a dollar sign, parentheses, ID label, you know, whatever. Yeah. And have it behave the exact same way jQuery does because that's all jQuery is doing. jQuery is just doing that in JavaScript. And so you could do that. I... I would be really surprised if someone doesn't write like a jQuery Lite thing, which is just those. Ba- it's like just document DOM manipulation and AJAX, and then that's it. And like jQuery Lite or whatever they would call it, and then just see if that rolls out to like all these places that are using jQuery, like one point two or well, whatever. If you go to one of the links, it's called "You Don't Need jQuery." It's from a user called Nephi Nefe. I'm again here. I am with not being able to pronounce stuff, uh, but <laughs> he's got all of these things that jQuery does, and they're native JavaScript analogs. And so, all you could take all of his code and just you know package it together and use the pieces you want, and that's basically what you would have mm-hmm. is a JavaScript or jQuery Lite. Yeah. What you what we're huh. gonna need to do? Cool. And this is maybe more of a five-year watch rather than a 10-year is paying attention to what big players are doing. Because the the big news this past year was that GitHub announced that they had completely removed jQuery from their code base. Yeah, that's amazing. That's Yeah, that was a big move on their part. Yeah. And they'd been working towards it for a long time. They, They weren't trying to, like, turn the light switch off. They had been, over time, you know, chewing it away and taking it out as they improved stuff. They're they're Rails based, yeah. Uh, what are they using for their front end? Then? Oh, uh, native code. I think everything is native code for. Okay. I don't think they're using oh, any li- no library at this point. Um, and because that's there's an article uh, in the show notes that it from is from oh, the, yeah. the engineering blog at GitHub, and they go into all of this like how they kind of strategically approach that because that's a big undertaking. Um, yeah. To say you're gonna sure. remove all dependency on a library. That's one. That's another reason why jQuery has held on so well is because it's part of a lot of places' infrastructure. And I mean, if anyone was going to do that, though, like GitHub is not surprising. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they go into depth, like how they approached it, why they did it, um, what value they're getting out of it, and a lot of it comes back to some of the stuff we've talked about, things like you know, test-driven uh, development and portable code and things like that, but also storytelling in code. Being able to mm-hmm. look at code and understand what it's doing without a bunch of comments and things like that. Mm-hmm. One of jQuery's strengths is also its weakness in that by abstracting a lot of stuff away, yeah. you remove context of what's happening. That's a good point. And yeah, it's, you know, if you're the only person working on something, that's fine. But if you're working on a team and people come and go or anything like that, it definitely changes the vernacular that you need to use when you're writing. I, I don't want to deviate too much on this, but that's actually a a really important thing that I've been discovering the past year or two is that um, nine times out of 10, I prefer code that's easy to read than code that's clever or 
even in some cases like fast like if something is like you know if it runs in three milliseconds with this particular version or like the easier to read version runs in four or five milliseconds like i'll take the easier to read version yeah most days because you know like if you have to maintain that you're talking about saving hours of time if something is easier to understand overall right the other big player that's going to be out there to watch is wordpress mm-hmm Oh yeah, that, you do react now, right? Yeah, it, you know it's that idea. Yeah. If I brought you into this world, I can take you out of it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they they introduced jQuery to thirty percent of the web and have added yeah. it in there. And, and naturally, you know, themes are going to support it for ages beyond now. Um, sure. You know, WordPress isn't going to take it out of like the registered scripts or anything, but they could remove just like GitHub has. They could remove all the dependencies in their framework now that they are moving towards React. It wouldn't be a bad idea for them to. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I don't that think would, it would be. That would move more of the stuff in house, yeah, and create less. Um, yeah, I I think that would be smart on their part. Well, and we were saying earlier, like this idea of you can mix and match jQuery and React. That's yeah. that's a thing you can do, but most people wouldn't recommend it. The the maintainer from GitHub that I mentioned earlier, uh, who's maintaining jQuery, uh, after that quote from him, he says. Um, jQuery can and does get used alongside robust application building solutions like Angular and React slash Redux, but its main usage probably still lies more within websites rather than web applications, right. if I can make that distinction. And I, and I think that that's probably, uh, you know, if, if the question for this episode was, should I use jQuery versus should I learn jQuery, um, then if you're doing like a, a basic website of some kind and not something that's framework based. Um, then jQuery is probably a good consideration. Yeah. Well, and it, I think that's absolutely the distinction, like with WordPress. Mm -hmm. A theme using jQuery is not the same as WordPress using jQuery. WordPress, yeah. the backend application, I think within two years, you will see it going exclusively React. You know what, though? I, so WordPress. One of the reasons that WordPress is so nice is because both PHP and jQuery are relatively easy to pick up. I cannot say the same about React. React is not as easy to pick up as PHP and jQuery. Are. Oh yeah, no, it's it's. I'm saying this as someone who is trying to pick up React. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a different learning curve. It it very much is. Yeah. Um, and because it takes that idea of what is JavaScript. And right. turns it a little bit on its head because it's using uh -huh. TypeScript and you know this other stuff that is a variation of ECMA standard. Um, oh, it's a lot more pieces involved. Yeah, it, JavaScript, the JavaScript landscape, like it, when you start, if you want to have a fight with somebody about, you know, why JavaScript is a messy language, there are a lot of perfectly valid <laughs> cases you can bring up there. I I think it would be likening, um, saying like learning PHP versus learning WordPress, like. You can learn serviceable PHP very quickly. WordPress, learning WordPress is going to take a little bit more time in the same way that like you can learn J JavaScript and by extension jQuery quickly, but learning React is going to take a lot more time just because you have to see more of the picture in order to actually use it. Yeah. Well, there's a clock counting down on it. Yep. I mean, the reality is jQuery, I think, does have a lifespan like any technology does. Sure. And... A lot of it's going to come down to exactly what you were just saying with React. React is a denser mm -hmm. language. It's got a sharper learning curve. And 
the way we approach training new developers moving forward is going to say a lot about how quickly that clock counts down for jQuery. Because as of right now, there's a lot of safety sort of in that world. But you know what though? E even if all the maintainers on jQuery decided, you know what, we're, we're done. We're not going to maintain this anymore. And no one else decided to pick up the mantle. You can still use it. Like, oh, yeah. it still works. And it will probably still work five years from now. <laughs> if, as long as you don't need anything too modern and complicated, like, it's probably fine. The The final thought that I'll, I'll throw out there is simply what we've been stressing, which is, at the end of the day, should you learn jQuery? Absolutely. Because yeah. at some point, you're going to have a project or a tool or an application or something that you need to maintain. And that sure. something and was going to be written by somebody else who used jQuery. And stepping back from that even, you're a web developer. Get used to it. You're going to have to learn a shit ton of languages and about all kinds of different things, and you're going to have to learn the different levels of depth. So, yes, this should be something that's in your repertoire, whether or not you use it all the time. Yeah. With that, sit back. Take a second. We're going to take a break and we're going to wrap things up. The Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by our friends at NewCloud. NewCloud is an industry leading interactive map provider who has been building location based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, NewCloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at newcloud.com slash drunkenux. That's nucloud.com slash drunkenux. Folks, thanks for listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. It's season two, baby! Season two! <laughs> we, uh, we've already lined up the first three months of shows, and we're going to be I had no idea them. we would be making a season two episode when we decided to do this a year ago. That's his way of this saying awesome. that he wants to quit, and uh, I'm not going to let him. What? <laughs> if anybody wants to well, apply for a co-host position, just email us at host.com. <laughs> Folks, we got some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, we've got some new show concepts that we're going to be doing. Uh, we've got new mm. topics that are going to be on the way and all the things, all the special stuff. We're going to have fun with it. Um, got new episodes of real-time overview coming out with a new format. Build process will be coming out in the middle of the month, as always, um, and all of those things. So we're happy that you stuck around. We hope you have fun with us. Uh, and if you have anything, I guess let us know, right? Yeah, connect with us on our on your favorite social platforms, be it Facebook or Twitter. You can find us at Drunken UX, or you can find us at uh, drunkenux.com slash Slack, if that's your jam. I've got 11 Slack channels, or Slack uh, sites, Slack instances. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know what they're called either. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then also on the the insta insta giggles. That's what you called it earlier, right? Insta giggles. I did no insta such thing. I would never call something insta giggles. 
the Instagrams. That's how you get out on a list. <laughs> uh, Instagram slash Drunken UX Podcast. Make sure you have that last bit on there. That's where we keep all the flavor. Otherwise, um, gosh, I guess uh, all I can tell you is the same thing I tell you all the time because I enjoy it and it makes me laugh. But that's, folks, keep your personas close and your users closer. Welcome to season two. Bye bye. <laughs> there.